Hello again, friends, and welcome on into episode 63 of the SCO Show. I'm Mark Schofield, back in the big chair for today, Wednesday, January 8th, 2020. Yeah, it still stings, I know. But we continue to turn the page. Earlier this week, we talked about the free agents on the Patriots roster. Well, I guess technically not on the Patriots roster, but you know what I mean. Today, we're going to start with our free agent watch list. Now, this will not be exhaustive. This will not be all-inclusive. I'm sure there will be names that people will tweet at me or send me DMs about, why not this guy? Why not this guy? But I'm starting to put together a little watch list, okay? It, like I said, I'm not going to get it all right out of the gate. We're just, we're just trying to cover our bases here early. That will be today's show. Next show later this week, we'll talk about free agents on the defensive side of the ball. Also, at the outset, we're going to talk some coaching moves because a lot of that going down. But before we do anything, your usual reminders. Please do follow along with the hijinks at Mark Schoolfield on Twitter. Check out the work at a variety of places inside the pylon.com, Pro Football Weekly, Matt Waldman's rookie scouting portfolio. And yes, not one, not two, but three SB Nation websites, Big Blue View, where I got a piece that I'm going to kind of crib from on potential offensive coordinators, Bleeding Green Nation, where, yes, the QB Scotia will roll on, and right here at Pat's Pulpit, where I do this show and write some stuff and just kind of keep myself entertained. Before I said we dive into the free agent stuff, let's talk coaching moves because the first real domino to fall was the Dallas job. Mike McCarthy... Apparently after a fun overnight, maybe a little pillow fight, maybe a little uh, skincare routine, something like that. I don't know what the kids do these days on sleepovers. My kids aren't old enough for sleepovers. It's been a long time since I've had sleepovers. But apparently he spent some time with Jera, and he's now your Dallas Cowboys head coach. So that's good. So that's the first time to fall. The next ones we thought were going to be the Giants and then perhaps the Panthers in some order. When we woke up Tuesday morning, I, like many of you, checked the Twitter machine. And the first thing I see is Matt Rule is on his way to New York. That deal could get done with the Giants. Josh McDaniels, his first interview is going to be with the Panthers. They don't want to leave without him getting the gig. These are the things we're seeing. I'm on radio down in Charlotte Tuesday morning. I hope you listened getting asked all about Josh McDaniels and how the fit could be and things like that. And then I drop the kids off at school. I'm at the gym. I'm working out, getting back into it. And I see on the phone, whoa, Matt Rule indeed does have a job, but it's with the Carolina Panthers. Didn't see that one coming. And so Matt Rule leaves Baylor for the Carolina Panthers. That might take away one of the potential Tom Brady landing spots. Why? They gave him a six-year deal. What does that say to me? Long-term rebuild. It says to me that their new owner, who we've been told is going in on sort of a, at least incorporating analytics into the organization, they're looking long-term. This is not going to be a quick turnaround. Tom Brady's not going somewhere for a long-term rebuild. And so then, okay, we all sort of move on. We make our jokes on Twitter and elsewhere, and we see a report from Adam Schefter that Jason Garrett is in the mix for the Giants job, which is extremely interesting. And then maybe 30 minutes later, it's announced that Joe Judge, yes, the current, or at least 
was at the time the current Patriots offense, excuse me, special teams coordinator and wide receivers coach, is now your new head coach for the New York Giants, the New York football Giants. And that's fascinating to think about because that was a domino that people thought maybe he was going to get the Mississippi State job, and now instead he's off to New York. And it begs the question, who are they going to hire for offensive and defensive coordinators? Now, there was then some news that, well, the Giants have also requested to meet with Jason Garrett since he's still technically under contract with the Giants. I mean, excuse me, the Cowboys. This is all running together about the offensive coordinator spot. So maybe Jason Garrett does end up in New York, but as their OC, because judges, coordinator jobs, and how he fills those, those are going to be critical. Now, Garrett is an interesting name at the offensive coordinator spot, and let's not forget, look, when he was just the OC for Dallas, they had a very good offense. You know, that 2007 Dallas offense, that team finished 13-3. and Their offense, led by Tony Romo, as a team posted an adjusted net yards per attempt of 7.1, tied with the Packers and the Jags for second in the league. Nobody was chasing New England's 8.8 that year. I mean, New England was off the charts good that season. But he's an aggressive downfield passer when it comes to sort of the, the passing game. He's more of a Coriel disciple. That could kind of fit with Jones, but we'll see. And so that sent me to the pages of Big Blue View where I put together a list of offensive coordinators, which we should probably quickly run through because Josh McDaniels now probably has one shot. Little Eminem. Here I go, it's my shot. But he's got one shot, and it's the Cleveland Browns. And they're working through some interviews. Brian Dable, Greg Roman... Eric Bieniemy, Robert Saleh. Those are all names that have been sort of associated with that spot. Some have interviewed, some have yet to interview. And so McDaniels now either has to nail this or not. Now, he does have the so-called coveted last interview spot. They want to have it done, the Browns do, by this weekend, by Saturday. And he's interviewing Friday. The last interview slot. So maybe he gets it. If McDaniels goes, that obviously opens up a spot for the offensive coordinator gig. Now, is there somebody within the organization that they could give that spot to? Would you look at Mick Lombardi? I mean, he's currently their assistant quarterbacks coach. He's 31. This is the highest he's achieved. He was an assistant quarterbacks coach and offensive assistant with the Jets from 2017 to 2018. It seems a leap to turn it to him. Ivan Fears? Would he get consideration as the OC? I mean, he's been the Patriots running back coach since 2002. Basically, the entire run of the dynasty, he's been their RB coach. I mean, if there's anybody that knows the offense, it's Ivan Fears. Now, looking around some other options, Jay Gruden, I think he's a very quarterback-friendly coach. 
I'm a fan of his offensive concepts. I'd love to see him get an offensive coordinator gig. I don't know if it would work, him coming to New England, but I would not be against it. Some other names, Mike LaFleur, currently the passing game coordinator for the 49ers, but look, he's part of that Kyle Shanahan tree. He might be an interesting name. I don't know if he gets OC looks now, but maybe. James Urban, the quarterback coach with the Ravens. No, he might be as somebody that could slide into that you know, spot if Greg Roman leaves and goes elsewhere. Maybe if Roman leaves and gets the Cleveland Browns job, then this exercise is moot. But Urban's an interesting name. You look at what they've done with Lamar. Maybe he could get an offensive coordinator gig. Kevin O'Connell is getting a lot of attention. I also liked what he kind of did with Washington over the past year or so. But with Washington going in a different direction under Rivera, the Brennan Turner in to do it. O'Connell's an interesting name. Joe Lombardi, quarterback coach for the Saints. He's been there for a long time under Sean Payton and P. Carmichael. He's an intriguing name. Chad O'Shea, the former offensive coordinator of the Dolphins. Obviously, we know Chad O'Shea. John Kitna. If you get a chance, look at the piece that goes up on Big Blue View. You will see a link to a coaching clinic presentation. He's interesting. I like his philosophy on quarterbacks. So he's a name to keep in mind. Then finally, there's a name that is obviously buzzing around coaching circles, and that's Joe Brady. For what he has done with Joe Burrow and LSU, probably one of the hottest coordinator commodities in all of football right now. You know, there's speculation he might even get a head coaching gig with what he has done with Burrow. You know, maybe even Mississippi State, if they want to sort of make a splashy type of hire. Ed Ogeron, go Tigers, has basically said that he wants to keep him in-house because he knows what he's meant to this team. But Ogeron, go Tigers, might not get his wish, especially if the NFL comes calling. And look, that LSU offense is fun. It's dynamic. They stress defenses. They do so many nice things conceptually. I think the NFL is going to come calling for Brady at some point, maybe this offseason. Now, would it be New England if there's a spot there? I don't know, but I think somebody does. I think somebody makes Joe Brady an offensive coordinator in the NFL. But that's some of the coaching stuff. We're going long here, so I'm going to try to tidy this up here. We're going to talk free agents, as I said. We'll start. Let's start with the wide receiver group. I've got seven names on sort of my list here. They're sort of the top tier that I think are going to be, given what the Patriots do during free agency, going to be sort of like pipe dreams. But we got to throw them out there. There's obviously A.J. Green. And it's hard not to sort of look at, you know, free agent lists at the wide receiver spot. It's hard to move past A.J. Green. Tremendous talent. You know, at 32, obviously, you know, a bit longer in the tooth as they say market value is going to be big on him according to sport track you're looking at probably 9.1 million maybe two years almost 20 million of a total contract are they doing that is new england doing that i don't know i mean look he could fit in anywhere he would obviously be a, a huge upgrade to some of the guys they have right now but I don't think that's the way New England operates. Same for Emmanuel Sanders. Look, they could have traded for him. I doubt they're going to like go big money and go get him. Amari Cooper. I would. I love Amari Cooper. Loved him coming out. 
Thought he was one of the best, like, complete route runners I have seen in college. I still think he's a tremendous asset. I'd be stunned if Dallas lets him go, and I doubt that New England's going to go there. A guy that I am intrigued by, he's more a vertical threat. I'm not sure of the fit schematically in this current iteration of the Patriots offense, but Robbie Anderson with the Jets, huge fan of his. I love him when I was studying for the NFL 1000 Project. Big fan of what he does. That brings us to sort of the second tier of guys. Farrell Cooper, maybe it's me. I still got a soft spot for this guy. Maybe it's because I play with the Arizona Cardinals on Madden. I'm not giving out my Madden name because I'm bad. But in my franchise mode, I've made him an interesting little little piece, little accoutrement to what I'm doing schematically. And I think in sort of that second tier of free agent wide receivers, he's an interesting option, especially when you remember when we're talking Farrell Cooper, he's just 25. You know, maybe with the fact that they're running 17 wideouts in Arizona, he doesn't leave the desert. But if he does, I'm interested. I know it's probably another slot type guy, but and Demarcus Robinson, also a 25-year-old. You know, they're obviously deep at the wide receiver spot in Kansas City. I like what he's done. You know, th- 32 catches this year. He's put up some decent numbers for Kansas City over the past couple of seasons. 32 reception for 449 yards, four touchdowns, four touchdowns back in 2018. Obviously, there's a lot of talent in that wide receiver group, but he's somebody that could be a nice little addition. And finally, Tajay Sharp. And this has really nothing to do with the fact that we just got beat by the Titans, but you look at their offense and how it's constructed. You know, this is a guy that's probably, I don't want to say is on the outside looking in, but you look at Corey Davis, you look at the emergence of A.J. Brown, you look at how much they used multiple tight end looks. Now, he might be somebody they'd be willing to sort of let go. Or maybe they wouldn't be that interested in resigning. Now, maybe I'm wrong on that. You know, when you look at what he's done from a production standpoint, maybe he hasn't quite matched the hype because people really liked him when he was coming out of Massachusetts. You know, he missed all 2017 you know, he's played in 15 games this year, only started six. You know, all had 444 snaps. That's down from a, a career high as a rookie it's of 786. Did have four touchdowns this year, but, you know, I think he's becoming an afterthought in that room, so he's been an interesting name. Let's move to the tight ends before we take a break. It's not the best group of tight ends. Eric Ebron is probably the name will get the most attention. But I think Dave Archibald sort of put it best when he talked about him being sort of a ghost, in a sense, a pipe dream. You know, you're pining for something that isn't quite there, never really sort of lives up to it. You know, 382 snaps this year, 31 receptions, three touchdowns, 375 yards. Did average 12.1 per reception, which is kind of nice. Frank Reich likes to use his tight ends vertically. Hunter Henry, he's had some injury issues. Obviously played a decent amount, 621 snaps, 55 receptions. They love to target him in the passing game. Five touchdowns, did have one fumble. I think the Chargers find a way to bring him back. I'd be stunned if he really gets to the open market. Austin Hooper, you know, he's a sort of versatile tight tight end. You know, he was kind of a steal for Atlanta. You look at a market value on him, you're looking at something like 9.9 million, five years, almost 50 million. That's a big deal. You know, that kind of money, that puts him above Travis Kelsey. 
I don't know if you're going there. Now look, statistics on him are pretty good. 97 targets, 75 receptions, 6 touchdowns, basically coming off a career year. So good for him. He's going to get paid. I doubt it's going to be in New England. Seth DeValve, he's kind of a you know, a Matt Lacoste, Ryan Izzo. I, I think if, if there's an intriguing tight end name out there, it's via trade. It's David Njoku because I refuse to give up on that. We all have our binkies. Njoku is kind of mine at the tight end position. But that's the tight end spot. That's the wide receiver spot. That's some coaching stuff. Up next, we're going to talk offensive line. And yes, we have to. Free agent quarterbacks. That's ahead on episode 63 of this Go Show. Mark Schofield back with you now on episode 63 of this Go Show. And before diving back into the free agents on the offensive line and yes, in the quarterback room, kind of getting some questions in the moment as we're doing the show about the old senior bowl, how busy things are down there and things like that. And as I joked in the Scotia Slack channel, it's as busy as Kist makes it for me, okay? It really sort of depends on how late he keeps me out at night. I'll just leave that out there. But no, look, Senior Bowl week, Mobile, it, it's a fantastic time. Um, one of the great things that they've done in the past couple of years is move the practices to the afternoon, which is great because you get a chance to sort of get work done in the morning, even get an exercise in. The hotel I stay at, the Holiday Inn downtown, has a decent enough hotel gym, although I might even might even look to see if I can get a, a gym to go to this time. Because you get the whole morning, which is which is fantastic. There are some great spots for breakfast. A spot of tea, which is this English little breakfast place with some southern flavor mixed in. I really like that spot. The food down there is fantastic. Going to be hitting Winsell's, the oyster house down there. One of the first years I was down there, the... Jacksonville Jaguars under Gus Bradley, they had the entire upstairs basically quartered off for them for a staff party, which was fun. Dolphins, which was great. Saw John Gruden there last year. That's a good spot too. Um, but Mobile was fun, but it is a work trip. It's a business trip, as we like to say. And so there will be shows from Mobile. Like I said, maybe get some color, get some quotes, some interview snippets from players. If not, you'll just get insight from me and others as well. So it's going to be a fun week. Always fun to go down to Mobile, expanding the coverage this year here um, for Pat's Pulpit. May even have some other trips in mind. I in the Combine this year. I would like to get out there. I haven't been to the Combine yet. I've always wanted to get there, and I think this year it's probably time. So I hope to get that done too for you guys to to keep giving you some of the best Patriots coverage I can because that's my job, and I love my job. Speaking of my job, let's talk free agents on the offensive line. (laughs) I don't know if they're really going to, again, make a splash or anything like that on the offensive line because, one, you've got guys in the woods, guys in the weeds, guys on the roster that basically took redshirt years. We're talking Yanni Kajus. We're talking Hilde Froholt. So I think that they might not really explore a ton of options on the offensive line. They've obviously got some guys that they need to bring back. And so... You know, if they do, I think it's going to be more the nibble around the edges kind of thing. There are some interesting names. Marshall Yanda, obviously, he's a free agent. The guard spot, one of the best guards in the game. But a lot of it is also dependent on what they do with Joe Tooney. And so until that shoe kind of drops, I think we don't really know where they'll go. Sort of in in terms of nibbling around the edges, Andres Pete is a name, I think, to keep in mind. Quentin Spain is a name to keep in mind. Both of those guys are free agents. Spain did not give up a sack this year, 
which was interesting because I remember studying him early in the season for the first meeting between the Bills and the Patriots, and he gave up some pressures, gave up 29 pressures, I believe. I'm double-checking my numbers here. Yeah, 29 pressures, which was kind of a big number. I mean, that's more than Eric Flowers gave up. He only gave up 24. But interestingly enough, if you want to read into PFF grading, they had Quinton Spain with a pass blocking grade of 71.4, which was not, you know, fantastic by any means, but 71.4, that put him in 27th among guards. So he's got that going for him, which is nice. And then there's Andres Pete. You know, he's also a free agent. I don't know if they'd go there. Michael Schofield has had his struggles, but again, gave up one sack, 26 pressures, 76.9 was the grade at PFF when it comes to pass blocking. So there are some guys out there if they want to go down that road. As far as the rest of the interior offensive line, I don't think they do anything at the center spot. I think you hope David Andrews comes back. Maybe if his health changes then you go in a different direction. But still, I am I think they'll be okay with him. And I think they like what they saw with Ted Karras. James Ferenc stepped in as well, so I think they're okay at center. Now, at tackle, again, a lot of it might depend on what they do. But I think that with Wynn, they're okay. If, you know, Marshall Newhouse is a swing tackle, I think they're okay with that. Cannon... Is a bit of a question mark. I think he had a down year, but I don't think the New England's going to just move on from him. And part of the reason is it'd be expensive. Now, right now for 2020, he carries a cap hit of 8.9 million with 3.7 in dead cap. You know, so maybe they find a way to move on from him. The tackle that comes to mind is Adrian Waddle, who just signed a one year deal with Buffalo. I think he's fantastic in a swing tackle role. You know, if you're worried about Cannon in some sense, maybe you go after Waddle. Now you've got two guys there that can maybe step into that right tackle slot. But I don't know if they're really going to make a splash given that they got Yanni Kajust out there as well. Which brings us to the quarterback room. Yay. And, you know, similar to what we were just talking about with some of these other positions... It depends on Tom Brady. Ideally, Tom Brady comes back and we kick this can down the road for another year. But it's a fascinating year in terms of quarterback free agents. You've got Breeze, you've got Rivers, you've got Bridgewater, you've got Winston. You know, sort of gun to head right now. I think Breeze and Brady go back to their spots. Bridgewater probably finds a new home maybe with the Chargers. I think Rivers retires. That's my sense there. You know, when you go past that, I think Winston finds a way to go back to Tampa Bay. Mariota probably gets a deal somewhere. Look, you're, you know, the number two overall pick. You're going to get a second shot somewhere. If there's a name that's not Nick Mullins on the free agent market that I'm intrigued by, now, Nick Mullins, remember, he's a exclusive rights free agent. So he either signs the tender that San Francisco puts in front of him or doesn't. I'd imagine San Francisco, San Francisco tenders him. Maybe they don't since they signed C.J. Beathard, in which case he would become a free agent. I definitely 
be interested in that. But I'd imagine that the Niners at least sign him to a tender, and then they can explore trading him if they want and get some value in return. Is Nick Sudfeld, I mean, should be Nate Sudfeld from Philly. Now, the Eagles tendered him last year when he was an exclusive rights-free agent, so they like him. With the injury to Wentz and the fact that we don't think Josh McCown is going to come back next year, they're probably looking at him to be their backup. And so it's probably a situation where he's not going to be available. But if he is, I'm intrigued by him. I like his aggressiveness downfield. And if he's, whenever he sees cover one, likes to slant it, take his shots. So I'm intrigued by Nate Sudfeld. You know, again, this all comes back to Brady. And sitting here right now, I think Tom Brady is a New England Patriot next year. But a lot can change between now and then. And you know we'll have it covered because that's what we do here at the SCO Show. So that will do it for today. Kind of a spin around some of the free agent stuff, some of the coaching stuff. In the next show, we'll talk about the defensive coach, defensive free agents, excuse me, um, some names to keep in mind there, sort of a watch list. And then as we get into next week, remember we got a, a Shrine game preview on Monday. And then a Wednesday show, we'll do two shows next week. We're going to have sort of a look at the non-quarterbacks that I'll be keeping an eye on at the Senior Bowl. And then the following Monday, while I'm in the air down to Mobile, You'll be able to listen to the quarterback preview on the 20th. So that's sort of the road ahead. Until next time, friends, please keep on blessing that Patriots reign down in Foxborough.